You're listening to Coaching Skills for Leaders. This is episode 18, airing on December 26th, 2011. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching Skills for Leaders. This is the show for leaders who want to develop their coaching skills so they can help others achieve their maximum potential. Whether you're a seasoned leader or leading people for the first time, improving your coaching skills will drive your success and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic is five ways to support people in learning. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coaching Skills for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak, and I'm coming to you from our studio here in Orange County, California, where it is the day after Christmas, and it's warm, sunny, and 70 degrees. Part of my responsibility of living in Southern California is taunting people in the other parts of the Northern Hemisphere that live in colder climates this time of the year. But I hope that you'll indulge me just a bit, and I'm not going to be in too much trouble with my family for doing that this time, because my parents and brother are flying out here tomorrow from Chicago, which is where I'm from originally, and we'll be here for the rest of the week. And so I know they're looking forward to enjoying the warm weather with us. And I, in the meantime, I am enjoy, uh, enjoying here spending a few minutes with you during this week that many uh, people in the world and, and who are in business uh, often find is a little lighter week as far as work. And uh, certainly things slow down a little bit in the business and organizational world between Christmas and New Year's, uh, regardless of where you are in the world. But it is still an important time for us to keep this conversation going about how we can continue to build our skills as leaders. And also today to talk about where this show's going in 2012 and how you can utilize it as part of your development to help you to continue to be as an effective leader as possible. So you'll want to stay tuned till the last part of this episode to make sure to catch that as well. But first, let's talk about ways to support people in learning. Now, I realize I've been jumping around here a little bit, and I'll talk more about that at the end of the episode here today. But as I was recording last week's episode on how to help people to utilize new skills, I was thinking that, well, you know, I didn't really spend a whole lot of time on talking about how to support people in the learning they're doing in the first place. Now, those of you who have listened to the show for a while will remember way back in episode number five, so several months ago, I talked about coaching in the moment and the importance of being able to coach in the moment in order to help people to develop skills as you're teaching them and as they're being introduced to those skills. And then, of course, last week in episode number 17, I talked about how to help people utilize those new skills. Well, there is an in-between between those two. So if I was going back and doing this again, we would have done five, and then we would do this episode, and then we'd do the one I did last week. But hey, you know, things don't always quite work according to plan in life. So uh, this topic today goes right between those two. So you have done some in-the-moment coaching with someone. You have help them to learn a new skill. You've done some practice. You've used that pores model that we talked about back in episode number five. You've done some coaching in the moment and you're ready to take that person out into the world or, or out into the organization or maybe even outside of the organization and to start supporting them in being able to practically apply what they're learning. So they're just at the very beginning stages 
and you're looking for how to do that. Well, that's what this episode's about today. So if you have comments or questions as you're listening to the topics I'm talking about in this episode, you'll want to call or email those in, and I'll be happy to respond to them however I can and point you with whatever resources uh, are available out there. And there's two ways to reach me directly. One way is by phone. That's 877-LEARN-45. Again, 877-LEARN-45. Or you can send email to me at feedback at innovatelearning.com. So again, that's feedback at innovatelearning.com. So let's take a look at these five ways to support people in their learning. So the first step is we want to, as leaders, be able to provide opportunities for people to utilize the skills that they've just learned. And it's, it's important for us to find something for them to start with uh, when they have just learned a new skill. You know, this doesn't always happen perfectly in organizations. And unfortunately, many leaders miss this step to really give people the opportunity to practically apply things. And I've certainly used the example in past episodes, in fact, mentioned it last week, that just because you've passed the driving test doesn't mean you're a good driver. Same thing with teaching people new skills. Just because they learn the skill, just because they passed the test, just because they attended the training program, and just because they did it effectively in the role play doesn't mean that they're going to be able to be effective going out into the world and applying whatever it is that they've just learned. So we need to really, as leaders, provide opportunities for people to apply what they're learning and to be able to do that relatively quickly, if not immediately, after they've learned that skill. Now, depending on the uh, development level of the person and their experience and their leadership experience. You know, you may put more of the onus on them to do this, or you may take the you know take the leadership for doing this yourself. Regardless of how you do it, though, you want to be able to create opportunities for people to apply what they've learned. Now, what do I mean by creating opportunities? Well, if you're teaching a new skill and you want to really reinforce what someone's learned, and also want to find out what they may not have learned. The best way to do that after you've really gone over the basics and you've done some of the coaching and you've done some of the practice and the role playing is to get them busy applying that skill right away. And so what you want to do as a leader is really find an opportunity for them to go out and interact with the customer, interact with a colleague, interact with the supplier, whatever that, wherever that skill is going to be utilized and to start getting that practical experience of being able to put that learning into action. So we want to really get people learning and using the skills as quickly as possible. And there's a couple reasons for that. First of all, is if you've taken all the time to train someone and develop them, if you don't immediately or at least very quickly give them the opportunity to apply that, uh, a couple things are going to happen. First of all, is they're going to lose some of what they've just learned. Uh, it's natural human nature is that if we're not, uh, you know, they say, you know, if you, if you don't use it, you lose it. And that's really a true phrase when it comes to learning. If we don't continually and, and proactively start using what we've just gained, we are going to start to lose it and particularly new things. So it's really important for us to maintain the investment that we've made either of time or resources, and in many cases, both. If we really want to utilize that investment we've made well, we should give those opportunities immediately. 
But the other reason is, in addition to that, is we want to keep the person's motivation level high for continuing to learn and continuing to develop themselves. If we spend time teaching them a new skill, coaching them, doing role-playing, and then there's nothing for that person to actually do practically with that, that person's motivation the next time that we are teaching a new skill or a new concept or a new procedure to them isn't likely to be anywhere as high or as engaged as it was early on. On the other hand, if we can give them practical application immediately and they see how what they're being taught is going to help them to do their jobs better and enhance their careers, man, what a great way to get people engaged. Now, uh, we want to provide those opportunities. If they're not there, we should create them. And by create, I mean, uh, you know, those opportunities may be out there and we may even put the onus on that person to go out and to look for opportunities to use that skill. But we might help uh, help them along a little bit, uh, grease the skids, if you will. And so if we know, for example, that the skill we've just learned would be a great skill for someone to use with the accounting department that has, uh, you know, is just that that this particular skill this person's learned is something that is going to help them interact with accounting more effectively, then, hey, let's call up as the leader. I'm going to call up and make a call to the person over accounting and say, hey, I just wanted to let you know, um, I just taught this person this new skill. I think it's going to help them to serve your department more effectively. Would you be willing to spend a few minutes or would you have one of your folks spend a few minutes with getting this person on an opportunity to apply what they've learned? So it's not that I'm doing the work for them, but I'm, I'm giving people a heads up. I'm starting the communication throughout the organization for that to happen. And maybe I'm even doing that with a customer. Uh, depending on the relationship with the customer, depending on the relationships outside the organization, I might tell that person, hey, you know, we have someone who's learned this new skill. I think this is a great opportunity. Obviously, you're not going to do this with your, you know, A plus number one uh, project that cannot have any mistakes when someone's learning a new skill. But there are many projects and opportunities with organizations, with customers, internally, externally, that do not need someone to do it perfectly. And even the, uh, the, you know, the, top, uh, you know, the top visibility project is very rarely done perfectly. And so to look for those opportunities and create them and to engage communication across the enterprise or even around the industry, if you're working in an industry where you've got relationships with people all over that industry, that is going to give that person that in that opportunity to start to apply what it is they've learned. And once you've done that, the work's not done. That's just step one is you want to be able to provide that opportunity, but you want to be able to immediately do step two as well, which is review the actions that that person has taken. So, uh, you know, I think that there's the tendency for many of us, and I know I have done this many times as a leader, is I've I've taught someone a new skill. We've gone through some coaching. I've uh, I've taken you know I've done providing them opportunities. So I've gone off and I've you know sent them off on their way to a customer or to another part of the organization, or or I've coached someone and sent them off, and then never really closed a loop on what happened. Or I've heard about it you know weeks or months later. Well you know this kind of work this didn't. So one of the things that is a, is a really good reminder for all of us is to review the actions that the person's taken, the person we're leading, the person we are coaching, and to do a debrief afterwards. And particularly, if either you have the sense that something didn't go well, 
or you got some feedback that something didn't quite work, or maybe the person just didn't quite communicate it back to you the way you thought you or you were expecting it to come back to, you want to really jump on that quickly. It's an important time to give feedback. And the sooner that it happens, the more likely it is that you'll reinforce good habits and good behaviors and correct poor ones. So don't do it a week later. If someone has an interaction uh, and they're, they're applying a skill for the first time and they come back and they're talking about it, you know, don't wait a week or a week and a half to give feedback and to review what it is that happened, particularly, again, if something didn't go well. Now, I know this isn't always possible in an organization to do. I know there are competing priorities. Believe me, I have been through them myself. And so, but when it is possible, and especially the first time, and a new skill set, something the person is doing for the first time, man, if we can spend even five or 10 minutes just reviewing the actions that have been taken and find out what happened, that's huge. It's huge because we correct things immediately as soon as they happen and we're able to help reinforce things that went well. And also it demonstrates very clearly to the person that we're leading and we're coaching and helping to improve their skill set that we care, that we didn't just teach them this thing, this skill, this concept, whatever it was, and then not really care about how well they did it. So we want to really invest in them and find out what happened. And the sooner we can do it connected to the actual action, the better. Uh, my mother-in-law and, and father-in-law run a search and rescue organization where they train search and rescue dogs on how to find people. They do amazing work. They do it all volunteer. It's just an incredible thing they do for the uh, community down in the San Diego area here in California. And uh, although, and like any uh, organization that's doing, uh, you know, like search and rescue and law enforcement, you know, they probably, they spend by far the bulk of their time focused on training. And then, you know, they spend, you know, maybe just a few percentage of their time actually going out and searching, but they spend a lot of time training the dogs, training the people, on how to uh, do things effectively. And particularly when they're training animals, one of the things, if she was here right now, she'd tell you that when, when an animal, a dog, does something effectively, they reinforce the behavior immediately. Because if they reinforce the behavior 10 or 15 or 20 minutes after it happens, the dog doesn't understand that the reinforcement is connected to the behavior that it's just exhibited. Now, I'm not using that example to in any way uh, say that, uh, you know, treating dogs is the same way you would treat people because that's not true at all. That said, there are some similarities in that when we are trying to reinforce behavior of people or animals or whatever it is, the closer we can get to the event that the behavior has happened or the action has happened, the more likely it is that the person's going to make that connection and reinforce continuing that behavior. So keep that in mind when you're reviewing the actions. And by the way, step three here goes along with step two, which is inquire about what they're thinking, feeling, or noticing. And I borrowed this from Peter Senge in his Fifth Discipline Field book, which is a great book for facilitation and coaching and teaching skills and organizations and organizational behavior. Um, but in really asking the question that way, you know, what are you thinking about this feeling or noticing? And the reason that I think Senge suggested these and the reason I like it 
is because, uh, you know, some people are really thinkers. They're kind of concrete, sequential about how they view the world. And, and words like feeling, they don't tend to resonate with very well. Uh, and then there are those people who are kind of really kind of the warm, fuzzy feelers of the world. And when you say something like thinking, they think, hmm, you know, that's, that's not necessarily something that resonates with me. So I like this question. What are you thinking, feeling, or noticing? Because it gives you an opportunity to engage that person on whatever one of those levels that they want to. And you won't hear much at first when you ask a question like that. I often ask that question when I'm facilitating groups or training or working with organizations. And you know, people are sometimes pretty quiet at first. They'll say, well, what are you thinking, feeling? No, say, I don't know. What do you mean? But what'll happen is, is if you continue to ask that question and you give people the opportunity to really think and respond to it, you'll hear people say a lot of things. And the question is intentionally open-ended so that you really can hear what's going on with people and find out what worked, what didn't work, and how can we then make potentially some course corrections to correct what's happening and to be even more effective. And that, of course, leads us to step five, which is or not, not step five, step four. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Step four would be correct the flight plan. You know, I've always had a, uh, a real fascination for flying ever since I was a kid. So I've always enjoyed getting on airplanes and flying. And, you know, maybe someday I'll get to uh, get to do some more flying and, and be a pilot someday. Oh, that's probably a long ways off. Uh, so I'm always interested in, you know, analogies and stories about flight and, uh, and getting to fly. And I think about this from a standpoint of flight plans. And I was reading a blog here on the Internet from a gentleman named uh, Tim Enoch. And he said that he has a, in this blog, and I'm going to put a link to the blog here on the show notes, uh, but he's mentioned that uh, the first couple paragraphs here that he has a friend who's an Air Force pilot, and uh, that friend had said that for every single degree that you fly off course when you're flying a plane, you'll miss your landing spot by 92 feet for every mile that you fly. Now, of course, as anyone who's ever flown on a plane or flown a plane knows, that you always fly more than a mile. <laughs> you fly many miles. So this amounts to one mile off target for about every 60 miles flown. So why, uh, why share that with you? Well, uh, if you're just a little bit off target and a little bit off target, so just let's just say one degree if you're flying a plane, that may not seem like a big difference. But if you take that one degree over a period of time, uh, over 60 miles or a day or two days, all of a sudden you start getting way off target. And he furthers the example in this, um, this article of saying that if you were to start at the equator and fly around the earth, one degree off would land you almost 500 miles off the target where you initially wanted to go. Why that's important when coaching people is you want to correct the flight plan. So once you've done those steps of providing opportunities, reviewing the actions that the person's taken and inquiring about what they're thinking, feeling, or noticing, you want to correct the flight plan. They may only be one degree off. They may have only made, you know, a few mistakes here or there, but those mistakes that they've made, those things that have happened have laid the groundwork for the mistakes that they're going to make for the remainder of their career if they don't get the coaching and feedback now. Now, of course, as I mentioned in previous episodes and previous shows, you want to give 
positive reinforcement as well. And I'm gonna that's gonna be step five. So you wanna reinforce the things that they're doing effectively, but you also do wanna correct the flight plan. So if they're off a degree, help them to fix that one degree. It may not seem at all relevant right now, but a a uh, six months from now, a year from now, three years from now, when they're still mastering the skill and uh, doing what we talked about in episode 17 of really trying to master what they've learned and take it back to others, they're going to repeat whatever they've done and they've gotten feedback on or even not gotten feedback on. So we want to be able to correct the flight plan now. Course corrections at the front end are easy. They're far more difficult to do in the long run if we haven't taken the time to invest it up front. And then, of course, step five, finally, is use encouragement. Dale Carnegie said, praise the slightest improvement and praise every improvement. Be hearty in your approbation and lavish in your praise. Right out of How to Win Friends and Influence People, one of my favorite books, and I strongly recommend that book if you've never read it. It's a classic. It's one of the top-selling business books in the world. Dale Carnegie kicked off the workforce learning industry with that book. And he says, be hearty in your approbation and lavish in your praise. Uh, Many leaders know to correct the flight plan, but they don't use encouragement and praise every improvement. And particularly when people are learning new things, you want to be able to give praise. And you need to be able to give praise because if people don't get positive feedback, if they don't get that reinforcement, they're not going to be as likely to want to repeat what it is that they've just learned. And so if you're looking for a a framework for doing that well, you want to go back and listen to episode number nine. So if you're Uh, finding this show on iTunes, go back, find episode nine. And if you're finding this on our website, you can go to innovatelearning.com, find episode nine. You'll learn the three-step process for how to give positive reinforcement and to give recognition to people. And if you learn that model, it will help you to apply that tool and that encouragement effectively. And so those are the five things you can do to support people in learning, provide opportunities, review the actions they've taken, inquire about what they're thinking, feeling, or noticing, correct the flight plan if you need to, and often there is something to correct, and then, of course, use encouragement. And, you know, each time that uh, I record one of these episodes, I always uh, ask you for feedback. And so I've uh, mentioned up front here that if you have comments, questions, or feedback for me, to certainly call them in to 877-LEARN-45 or email to feedback at innovatelearning.com. And I have a few pieces of feedback here this week from some of our audience members. And the first one is Stefan from Germany. Stefan had emailed to feedback at innovatelearning.com. So I'll read his email here then uh, here and respond to it. He says, hi, Dave. I am Stefan from Germany. I'm listening to your podcast, Coaching Skills for Leaders, and I really like. My personal thoughts are circling around, how will the working environment look in five years? Self-direction and autonomy are much more important to modern workers. Regarding this, I've regarding this, I've attached a link to a YouTube video. It's about what motivates us. Maybe you know it, but if not, enjoy it. And he provides a link to RSA's Animate video that was uh, based on a talk by Daniel Pink, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us. And he says, best regards and Merry Christmas from Germany. Uh, Stefan, thank you. Danke schön so much for writing from uh, across the across the globe here and 
providing feedback from the show. I'm so glad to have you as a listener and uh, so thankful that you took the time to reach out and provide this link. And uh, it's funny that he had sent this over because a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, is uh, he this link is based on the book Drive by Daniel Pink. And I actually had read this book about two years ago. The book Drive by Daniel Pink, I think, is one of the most important business books I've read probably in the last decade. And it has really shaped my thinking, particularly in the last year or two, on how to approach coaching people, working with people, engaging people, and motivating people. If you've not read this book, you've got to get it. If you only read one book in 2012, read the book Drive by Daniel Pink. And they've actually done a, I believe there's now a revised and expanded version out. But get that book. And if you're not a reader and you don't like to read and you're not going to read, um, I would first of all encourage you to reconsider that position because, uh, you know, I've, I've mentioned before, not all uh not all uh, leader, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. You need to keep yourself educated. But if you're not going to do it, at the very least, go onto the show notes and look. Listen to this link. It's only about ten minutes. It goes over an overview of what Daniel Pink talks about in this book, and it's how to motivate, how people are motivated, and how to engage people. It is fascinating. He cites some amazing research that I'm disappointed a lot of organizations don't utilize. And and the other reason I'm uh, glad that Stefan had mentioned this link is not only do I think the content's incredibly important, but I think the topic is really important too, of how do we engage people and how's the workplace changing? And it is changing. You know, the days of, uh, you know, working 30 years in an organization and going to an office and sitting in a cubicle from eight to five, and that being engagement and motivation, those days are over. Uh, at least in many many industries and many organizations. Uh, certainly there are places where that type of world still exists, but people have so many more options now uh, with social media, with the internet, with uh, you know of how to engage and how to share knowledge. And I've talked about many of them in the last few episodes, but the world is changing and it's important to really know how to really engage people well. And so um, I would love to have Daniel Pink as an as a guest on this show, and that's actually part of my plan here in the coming months, which I'll talk about here in a few minutes. So I certainly encourage you all to uh, check out this link that Stefan had shared. And Stefan, I'll even share more about this as we uh, go forward in the future and talk more about Daniel Pink's book. But thank you so much for reaching out, and uh, so glad that you are doing some reading as well. And I have a second piece of feedback here. This one from. Bonnie Stahoviak, which you, who you all uh, know is my wife and has been a co-host on this show uh, several times. And Bonnie sent over a uh, note to me this, this week. We share articles with each other all the time as we're seeing things on the internet. And the title of this article is How to Get an MIT Education for Peanuts. Now, you'll remember a few episodes ago, I had talked about what are some ways to uh, spend money on your professional development. And specifically, Francis said, called in and said, how do I spend $700 on my professional development? Well, here's another resource for you. It's how to get an MIT education for peanuts. And we had talked about some of the open course technology that's now available. MIT just announced in the last week that they're going to be doing a new online certificate program that's going to be extremely low cost. It's going to use some of those new online uh, models and resources that uh, I mentioned back a couple episodes ago. 
and it's a whole new program. So I'm going to put a link to this article from Inc. Magazine on the show notes and also a link to this announcement from MIT. If you're looking to continue to uh, con- continue your learning, which I hope you are if you're listening to this show, I really encourage you to look at this as a possible option. They haven't announced a lot of details around this yet, so this may not be an immediate option for people, but something great to know about. And I'll certainly keep my eyes and ears on it as well and look for other opportunities. And finally, one other thing to mention before I uh, let you go for this week and let you enjoy the New Year's holiday is this show has been uh, essentially in a pilot for the last, gosh, three or four months now the show has been going. And I am pleased to tell you the pilot is done. Uh, the This show is uh, going into full production in 2012 here and going to be having a full production schedule upcoming. So what's next? Well, you know, really, I have just been scratching the surface of uh, topics and resources and tools that I want to share with you coming forward in the next year. And so a full production schedule is coming in 2012, and there's a few reasons for that. Uh, one of them is the topic for this show. Uh, you know, I want this series of shows to make more logical sense of where things are going. And so in addition to seeking out authors, guests, co-hosts, and, uh, uh, and to have more and more resources as this show goes on starting here in January with the first episode in 2012, Uh, My tentative plan is to have themes for a series of shows and a more logical sense of where things are going. And so starting in January, the theme for the show, at least for the first three to four episodes of 2012, is going to be personal leadership. As this show goes into full production, it's the most logical place to start. Uh, Three reasons for that. One, it's the new year, and a lot of us are thinking about how we're going to better ourselves and improve ourselves. Uh, Secondly, it's the first step of any credible leadership development process. Even though this is a series on coaching skills for leaders of how to coach others and how to teach others, we have to start the leadership development process with how to lead yourself first. It would be irresponsible for us not to do that. And so I'm going to start off here in January, the first three to four episodes with talking in detail about personal leadership, how to lead yourself, how to prepare for the new year. I'm going to be doing a lot of that myself. So I'm going to take you along for the ride and bring in a lot of tools and resources. And then finally, why start with personal leadership? As leaders, when we're coaching, we lead by example. So we want to take care of leading ourselves first. If we can do that well first, we are going to be more effective at leading others. So we'll start off with the first show on January 2nd with the case for personal leadership. Why focus on ourselves first? So please call and send feedback in advance and about what you want to know about leading yourself. And I'd love your comments, questions, and feedback. Now is an especially important time for that because I am going to be putting together the production schedule for 2012 here in the next week. And as I do that, I want to be able to include your feedback so I can help this show to be as effective and as resourceful for you as possible. Hey, be sure to check out the link on the show notes for this show. This is Coaching Skills for Leaders, episode number 18. It's on our website at innovatelearning.com. And you can also stay connected with us on our Facebook page. That's Innovate Learning. So if you just go to Facebook, type in Innovate Learning, not Innovative Learning, Innovate Learning. 
and like us there. You can follow along not only on this episode, but other tools and articles and resources. Hey, happy new year to you. I hope 2012 starts off wonderfully well. Looking forward to joining you for the next show here on January 2nd. If you or your organization are looking to improve the coaching skills of your leaders, let us know. We might be able to help. You can reach me at 877-LEARN-45 or feedback at innovatelearning.com. Have a great start to 2012 and see you in the new year.